the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have a patron-picked episode. That's right, patron Miranda Watson has decided what we are talking today. And luckily, it's two properties that I knew about already. Um, and I know at least, John, you knew the movie. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with the existence of the Oblongs, but I had okay. never watched it. Okay. Uh, I was pretty similar. It's one that I had seen, maybe like one or two episodes, um, but I really kind of just had known about it. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, we are talking <laughs> Splash, the 1984 Tom Hanks film, and we are talking the Oblongs. Uh, we are going to recast Splash using actors of today. And these two properties really have nothing to do together. I can't, I can't figure out, you know, if she chose this as a, um, you know, there, there is no f- through line. I think they're just two properties that she must have really liked. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Absolutely. That's fine. Um, it's all about nostalgia and what's important to you. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking the Splash Film 1984, which is a damn good movie year. John, let us know what else happened in 1984. All right. So the film was released on March 9th, 1984. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week was Jump by Van Halen. Oh, that's a good, good song, man. Like, probably like a top 80 song for a lot of people out there. Yep. Classic synthesizer opening, which is unusual for a guitar band. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, it is. It is uh, for exactly like a hair metal band. That's not a yep. normal thing. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings is the kind of classic primetime soap opera, Dallas. Okay. All right. I forgot. I mean, I knew Dallas was the thing. They did the Who Shot JR? Yeah, that, right? that was the big thing that they did uh, at the end of one season, the cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, leading in where they had, for like, you know, three months, everyone was like, who who shot it? Who did it? And then it turned out to be um, Maggie Simpson who shot JR? Yeah, yeah somehow, somehow, <laughs> before the show was even invented, Maggie Simpson uh, was the one who shot that, JR. That's who shot Mr. Burns. My bad. I got it all mixed up. Uh, Nintendo released the very first Punch-Out video game, um, around this time. Not Mike Tyson's Punch-Out yet, uh, but okay. just the first Punch-Out. I've, I've mentioned before, I suck at that game. I do too. Like, I probably, the Mike Tyson one, <laughs> yeah. like literally I have problems pretty much even getting past Glass Joe's. Like I, I was at, uh, up in Nashville at a buddy's bachelor party and... We wa- and we went to like a you know one of those bars that has a bunch of video game arcades as well, mm-hmm. and I started to play the Punch Out, and I just couldn't get my timing. I just fucking sucked, <laughs> and I was just like, "Well, fuck Mate, this shit." Like just like real boxing. Yeah, I would be terrible. Fun fact: the theme for Throwback Trivia Takedown is actually modeled after the theme on Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Hey, nice bit of trivia there. The New York Times bestseller was Pet Cemetery by Stephen King. 
So definitely a book I'm familiar with, or at least yeah. the movie I'm more familiar I, with. <laughs> I was sorry, another little story. I was out at a book sale yesterday. <laughs> the, our library was doing one cent book sales, and my oh, wife nice. is a big reader. Yeah, they're just selling like a bunch of paperbacks, and you know I went just to look through some random stuff, uh, and I was scanning through the books, and literally. You know me. The only books I knew were ones that had been turned into movies. So I'd seen like <laughs> The Firm, Rising Sun. Uh, there was a uh, uh, an- another one up there that I like. It's just like that's it. That's all. The old my entire pop culture <laughs> knowledge of literature is: Have I seen the movie? Then I kind of know the book, right? And my uh, fun fact for 1984: uh, During the 1984 Olympics, which were in Los Angeles that year. Uh, McDonald's ran a campaign called If the USA Wins, You Win, and You Got Free Food. And it caused a huge financial loss because the U.S. team won more medals than expected because most of the Soviet countries had boycotted that Olympics. So they kind of took a huge financial loss on that one. Yeah, free burgers for all. Love it. (laughs) That was 1984. All right, 1984. That is awesome stuff. And Miranda, this one's for you. All right, Splash, 1984. This film was directed by Ron Howard. We've already talked a couple Ron Howard movies uh, fairly recently between Cocoon and Parenthood. Mm -hmm. But besides that, he did Willow, Backdraft, Apollo 13, bunch of stuff that we love. The story uh, was written by Brian Grazer, who is also one of the producers. Uh, He's done a lot of Ron Howard things. Uh, Just uh, Brian Grazer is an all-time top-level producer Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. Apparently, he got the uh, idea for the story when he was driving down the Pacific Coast Highway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just just looking out the ocean and yeah. thinking like, and oh, man, there just, might be a mermaid out there I want to fuck. <laughs> Honestly, that's kind of how it, it, it <laughs> sounded like. It just kind of was like, huh, what if I, what if someone met a mermaid and fell in love? <laughs> okay. I mean, sure. And this was before Little Mermaid came off, came out, and which was like, what, 89? Mm-hmm. Uh, which totally, I, I just felt like I got a lot of connections between Splash and Little Mermaid. The whole can't speak thing. Um, and then, you know, fucking a mermaid, all that stuff. Yep. Anyway. All right, the screenplay is by Lowell Gantz, Babalu Mandel, and Bruce J. Friedman. We had talked about all of them, or pretty much most of them all before. We remembered, I remember calling out Babalu. It's a great name. Yeah. Um, between them, they wrote things like Parenthood, League of Their Own, City Slickers, Multiplicity, Fever Pitch, just tons of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, music is done by Lee Holdridge, uh, who he also did the music for the 80s Beauty and the Beast show that we had oh, talked about yeah. before. With uh, Ron, Ron Perlman, right? Exactly, Ron Perlman, Linda Hamilton, uh, and also did the music for the show Moonlighting, the uh, Bruce Willis show, <laughs> um, so, comedy, which I never really saw. Was that so. was that Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd, or am I thinking of a different one? No, I think that's right. I okay, think that's right. The cast for this film: Alan Bauer is played by Tom Hanks. Uh, we know him from a bajillion different things. Uh, and offline before this, I was telling John I'm getting freaked out by his accent on the upcoming <laughs> Elvis movie. Um, I just don't. It's not working for me, Tom. Stop it. Without me, there would be no Elvis Presley. <laughs> but and also, we saw that he's going to be playing Geppetto in a live-action Pinocchio, which I again, I'm like, stop it! I just, <laughs> uh, I don't need this. But we love Tom Hanks. Uh, Madison is played by Daryl Hannah. Uh, we know her from the Kill Bill films. She was in Wall Street, uh, Blade Runner, tons of stuff for Daryl Hannah. Incidentally, this film apparently is the kickoff for the name Madison uh, for fem- for girls. Uh, I saw that. Like a huge (laughs) boom. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that as well. Because I mean, hell, in this movie, and we'll get to it. She picks it just from a fucking street name, right? But we have a cousin who named her daughter Madison, right? Like it's it's a popular name for I, females. I know plenty of female yeah. Madisons. Yep. Uh, Walter Cornbluth is played by the great Eugene Levy. Uh, this was before he was great. Um, but I mean, <laughs> he's, okay, I saw him how long. I, I completely forgot Eugene Levy was in this film. Yeah, and man, did he look young. Oh, he's very young. And svelte. <laughs> he, looked, he looked good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we know him from Best in Show, Mighty Wind, American Pie films, mm-hmm. tons of stuff. Um, what's, that, what's that show that he was on that won an Emmy for? Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek, which I have not been able to get into. I haven't either. I've tried. I've I've tried. I watched like the first four episodes, and I'm like, this is just not funny to me. And I people are all like, no, 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 you got to get through like the first eight episodes. And I'm like, I'm not watching eight fucking episodes <laughs> before I, you know, finally feel like it's good. Right. That's, that I just can't do that. <laughs> so, uh, and then Freddie Bauer is played by the late great John Candy. Um, I can't remember if uh, he was with Tom Hanks in if Volunteers was before or after this, um, but they had acted together. And before or in other times. And John Candy, we know him, Uncle Buck, uh, some rental things we've already talked about. We love our John Candy here. Mm-hmm. So the budget of the film was $11 million and it made almost 70. So it was definitely a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, enough of a hit that they made a little known <laughs> made for TV movie sequel. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. It was called Splash 2, as in T O O. Um, it's also making a splash. Uh, it came out in 1988, and Amy Yazbek played Madison. Uh, Amy Yazbek, you'd remember as Casey on Wings, the redhead. Oh, Casey. okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I it, it looked terrible. I had no, no interest. I just saw a couple of the pictures. I was like, ooh, did, that's did not going to be. Tom good. Hanks didn't come back for that one, did he? Oh God, no, okay. no. Some I, some guy I couldn't even remember what his name was who played uh, who played Alan. So, um, all right. So we know Miranda <laughs> loves this film. That's mm-hmm. why she picked it. But John, I want to know what is your nostalgic value for Splash? I probably saw this film once when I was a kid and I haven't really watched it since. Okay. So this is the first time in probably over two decades that I've actually watched this movie. I was probably pretty similar to you. It could have even been three decades yeah. I feel like I watched this movie. I might have been with you and our sister and dad or something or maybe mom. I don't know. Right. That's all. I mean, I've seen it probably once or twice, you know, and that's probably it. So this has been a long time uh, since I have revisited Splash. So I'm curious to see how we like it. We're going to get started with our scene breakdown. And the first thing you see, John, because I watched it on Disney Plus. Did you watch it on <laughs> Disney Plus? I did. You know what I'm going to rant about, aren't you? Yep. It's the first thing you see is it starts with a warning saying that the mo- movie has been edited for content. Fucking Disney. Fucking Disney. Okay. Um, here's the thing. What Disney did is they trimmed some of the film and like they reframed some shots and also added CGI hair. Which looked horrible, by the way. It looked so bad. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, I thought that they had not. I thought they'd removed that, but apparently they didn't. And so, all to, all to cover her butt. Mm-hmm. And this is not even, we're not talking about full-blown, you know, vagina and dick or anything going on. There's there's nothing super sexual. It is just a butt. It's a good-looking butt. I will mm-hmm. tell you that. She's got a cute butt. It's just a nude butt. And they freaked out, and they covered it up. And here's my problem, John. Mm-hmm. Other than, like, I don't like this stuff being... 
constantly re-edited and re you know right. changed. It's just like, come on, people. You know, that's just that is how it went. If you don't like it, just don't fucking watch it. That's why I'm also a proponent of hard cover or hard DVDs, and you know, with streaming rights and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff, we lose some of the art how it's made or was meant to be. I I tell you what, I was uh, I was I don't know, probably twenty to thirty minutes in, and I was I I honestly considered trying to find a different medium to watch it on. Yeah, <laughs> and my wife was. My wife was there, and I was talking to her about it, and, and she's like, "Why you just, you just so you can see Daryl Hannah's butt?" And I'm like, "Well, no, because it, I I said if they did this, what else did they do?" I have no exactly. They can do this shit without telling us. We have no idea what they might have, you know, changed, and it's really fucking annoying. In, incidentally, and I I could have gone and done this, but I I was already 20 minutes in, so I said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna keep watching it." Yeah. Um. Currently, it is actually free to watch on YouTube. Oh, okay. With full butt? I don't know. I didn't I didn't okay. I didn't go looking for butt. So oh, okay. I'm not sure. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, editor Adam here cutting in. Doing the proper research that you all expect out of the Blast from Our Past podcast. And I can tell you I checked the YouTube version. It's full butt. So if you want the full butt version of Splash, just go on over to YouTube. And currently, right now, with ads, it's free to watch on YouTube. Enjoy. All right. Um, Now, right before I had watched this movie, I was already on Disney+. Plus. I was watching Obi-Wan. Not really give much of a spoiler, but I think everyone knows Darth Vader shows up in Mm Obi-Wan. All right, there is a scene. Darth Vader breaks someone's neck. Now he's done like worse of this shit before. You see him killing people on screen. Yep. Disney Plus has no problems with that, but one fucking butt, and they they freak out. I, I I do not get it. Well, the other thing that really kind of miffed me was that now that they've added all of these all of the Netflix shows yeah. uh, from Marvel, they've they've changed their rating system. So now you can you have to you have to allow for more things. Now, granted, I believe that they did all this editing to Splash before they had to yes. change their rules, but I'm like, now that it's there, change it back. Yeah, just uh, it's, it's a simple re-upload. Yeah. Can't be hard. So, yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's ridiculous. Hell, even at this time, the movie was just PG. Right. Like, it, it's... I know, granted, I think this was before PG-13 had really kind of become a thing, but... It's just only PG. Yeah. It's a goddamn butt. <laughs> but also, yeah, you, you really actually the thing that gets my goat the most is what are they not telling us that they changed? And right. that's really, really weird. Okay. Sorry. That was definitely a soapbox. <laughs> I had to, had to mention it. Uh, let's get into the film. And we start off with a kind of cover version of Wooly Bully over the title cards. We're starting 20 years ago in Cape Cod. Uh, we're on a boat. We see a young Freddy <laughs> doing his... What a scammer. He's throwing change on the ground so he can get on all fours to look up women's skirts. Um, just a little creeper. And we see a young Alan who's kind of a weird little kid staring off into the water. And then he just jumps down uh, because apparently he saw someone. He saw a girl. It's a little young girl, a mermaid. He ends up you know, getting pulled out and saved uh, and no one else saw it. And so he just kind of keeps this memory to himself. 
So 20 years later, we meet, we see Alan uh, runs a distribution business for produce. And we see Freddy uh, is kind of a scam artisty kind mm-hmm. of, you know, idiot, big brother kind of thing. I, and I, you know, we also get a cameo of from, was it Rance Paul? Saw him. He was kind oh, of uh, Rance Howard. Rance Howard. Sorry, I said Rance Paul. Uh, Rance Howard. I think I mixed it with Ron Paul. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ron Howard. Ron Paul. Rance Paul. Rance Howard. Rance Howard. Um, who is you know the dad of Ron Howard? He a uh, uh, Freddie. Uh, Freddie comes in and he is all excited. He got his letter printed in penthouse. <laughs> he is one of those one of those guys who sends actual letters to. Uh, you know, the trades of, of adult magazines, and he's all excited about that. Um, we meet their secretary, who is not so quick. <laughs> Apparently, she got struck by lightning, but I thought that was a kind of a funny scene of <laughs> her just being off. Right. So, uh, Freddie uh, made a deal with a grocery store chain to be their produce supplier, uh, which, you know, he does make deals with stuff. Of course, he had to lie and say that Alan was in Vietnam and hurt his head or something. I mean, he is a scammy kind of guy. Yeah. Um, he always looking to make a quick buck or whatnot. But Alan's kind of worried because this grocery store chain, it's too big for them. You know, they're not quite ready for that. So he's all stressed. Uh, Alan gets a call from his current girlfriend who is leaving him and moving out. And we find out it's really all because Alan's not in love with her. And she he, he does not tell her and cannot tell her that he loves her. It's hard for some people to say. It is tough. It is tough to say for some people. Um, I love you, John. I'm willing to say it. Not in that way, but as my brother. <laughs> So. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> you should have just said, I, I know. I, That's what you should have said. Right. I know. I love you too, buddy. Okay. All right. All right. The next day, they're at one of their workers' weddings, uh, and we see Freddie doing the exact same change trick so he can look up girls, uh, you know, women's pants and skirts. What, what, what caught me was, how did these women not feel the change that just was oh. rolling around there, like smacking their legs and everything? Yeah, not to blame them, no. But have have a little bit of like spatial awareness, <laughs> <laughs> like it's pretty obvious. Yeah, he's the asshole. Also, it's really hard to miss John Candy trying to get down <laughs> on all fours. He is not the sneakiest of men. No, no that is for true. Not a ninja. All right, uh, but uh, Alan grabs him, pulls him away, and um, talks about you know Victoria now his ex and all this stuff. And it's a funny little scene of as people come into the wedding, constantly asking him about her, um, you know, trying to figure out you know why he didn't love her. One of the people who came in and asked her about asked him about Victoria was Clint Howard, um, another little cameo. Mm-hmm. And of course, Alan freaks out at him and about her leaving him and stuff like that. So eh, it's just it's funny. We cut to Alan. Drunk as shit at a bar with Freddy, uh, who immediately, being the big brother that he is, uh, leaves to go hit on some women. And so uh, Freddy's trying to mack on these ladies while Alan is stuck there drunk as shit. And uh, he's just kind of continuing to wallow in his own sadness. So not a very, I don't know, not a very good big brother to to help his feelings because he just wants to go get laid. But anyway, Alan decides to clear his head. He wants to go to Cape Cod. That's a special place for him. And then we can kind of assume it's because of that moment that he had when he was younger. He decides to take a cab from New York <laughs> all the way to Cape Cod. And this taxi guy freaks out at him and whatnot. Kind of a funny interaction, but ends up taking him yeah. for a shit ton of money. So I thought that was kind of strange. I mean, like, I figure he would have a car. Yeah. And he could just go the next day when he was sober. But I don't know. It was it was it was interesting. 
And overall, I just wanted to mention there was a lot more slapstick humor mm-hmm. and just overall more comedy in this film than I remembered. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember it being kind of like, you know, yeah, it's a romantic comedy, but I thought it was a little bit more on the romantic side as opposed to the comedy side. This is a lot like sillier than I thought. Yeah. So he makes it to Cape Cod and we meet Walter Cornbluth, who is like this marine biologist guy, uh, kind of an asshole. Um, <laughs> Alan asks for a ride you know, to the island, but Cornbluth, for some reason, thinks he's trying to spy on his research or something. He's kind of a weirdo. Paranoid. Yeah, ve- exactly. Very paranoid person. So Alan gets someone else to take him. Um, and we also find out like in this, you know, funny little small boat that he's you know, taking across the end. He can't swim, apparently. Um, but the boat guy is just being an asshole, shaking the boat <laughs> like a complete dick. Uh, and then the uh, the engine must have gotten some water in it. And so he has to go swim a couple miles. He's oh, it's just a couple miles back to shore. And I'm like, buddy, you're like my size. A couple miles is not easy to do. In my head, that guy didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm a big guy. Uh-huh. The thought of having to swim a couple miles just sounds daunting. No, yeah, absolutely terrifying. So Cornbluth sees him with binoculars and thinks he's still spying on him or some shit. Um, but Alan, who tries to fix the motor on his own, ends up falling off when he gets the motor going and he just trips him up and he gets kind of knocked in the head by the boat and falls down into the water. His wallet also falls out. And then we see a hand grab him. He is next, we see, washed up ashore on the beach. And this beautiful woman is looking at him. And she's naked. We see her uh, kind of run uh, over kind of towards him. And then she just runs up, kisses him, and then jumps and runs into the water. And here is the shot, specifically the shot you were talking about, where the CG added hair is just, it's so obviously different i mean and it it looks like they threw the least amount of money they possibly could (laughs) at at doing this yeah so i did go look up the butt the butt of course (laughs) of course i looked up the butt john uh so i wanted to see like how about and honestly it wasn't a gratuitous butt shot in that time like like that jump in that water there is a more gratuitous butt shot when she goes to to, to, um the statue of liberty um, cause her hair for some reason, like isn't covering her butt at all on that shot. But mm-hmm. in this shot, her, even without the CG, it's still covering a good amount of the butt, mm-hmm. but D- Disney did want to apparently make sure that they covered all the butt and yeah, it just, it just doesn't flow right. It doesn't look like it's no. uh, it, her hair at all. So yeah, no. it was, uh, it was a bad call. It looks so. like, it looks like really bad extensions. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. So, yeah, so she jumps into the water and becomes a mermaid, and we see her swimming around, and she goes, grabs his wallet. I do. I liked the framing where you, we see her jump in the water, and then he turns around and faces away from the water, and then you see the tail in the background. Yeah. I did like that little switch there. So, um, so yeah, she's she's swimming out down there. She ends up running into Cornbluth who was, you know, down underwater doing some research and sees her and he freaks out, of course, tries to get his camera in time, but he can't do that. Uh, so, yeah, she goes to like this sunken pirate ship or something to grab a grab an old map and whatnot. I guess she's going to try to go find this guy is uh, she's got his wallet and she's got an old map or something and she's going to go go try to find him. So 
All right, Alan returns to work, and uh, his secretary is now wearing her, her bra on the outside. Again, funny, because the whole hit by lightning thing. Um, and then at the Statue <laughs> of Liberty. I didn't Lib- notice that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the Statue of Liberty, uh, our mermaid walks ashore naked. And here's, like I said, I, I saw, I checked out this butt one too because they cropped this one out. They just punched in on the shot. Uh-huh. But it was, uh, you know, a lot of butt. But it's just, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. It's just butt. Just butt. But uh, how many times can I say butt on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so. Listen, if you want to get drunk, turn that into a drinking game. Yeah. Woo. Have a good time. Uh, so yeah, she's trying to find Alan basically, uh, and all the guys who are at the Statue of Liberty kind of mob her, circle around her, and want to take pictures with her. It's, it's kind of creepy, but yeah. the police end up taking her, and um, she can't speak right now, uh, but just shows them the wallet. And so uh, Alan gets a call, and when he find realizes who it is, he rushes to go try and pick her up, and he gets to the station, and there's this whole romantic swell of music the second he sees her. Hi. And she kisses him. Man, she just really wants to, like, give him a deep tonguing right there uh, in the uh, police station. So uh, they go to his place. A nice, funny little misuse of revolving door. She doesn't know how to use it, John, because she's a fish out of water. Uh-huh. You get it? Literally. <laughs> uh, so she, uh, anyway... They get inside, go up the elevator. They just want to keep making out. Apparently, you can assume at the elevator, he stops it in between floors, and they fuck right then and there. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so assuming post-coitus, uh, they, uh, he has to go back to work and whatnot, so he gets out the door. I do like, he immediately comes back in. Oh, they can wait one more hour <laughs> or something, so. Ha, ha, ha. Um, he is just having the time of his life, banging this woman who can't speak. <laughs> so... All right. Uh, when Alan does go back to work, he is uh, whistling or singing zippity doodah. And he's just a happy guy right now. Everything is uh, looking pretty good for him. Uh, and our mermaid sees an ad for Bloomingdale's on the TV. So she leaves uh, wearing one of Alan's suits. Uh-huh. And she's got his wallet, apparently still. He hasn't retrieved his wallet by now. I thought that was kind of strange. He was blinded by love. He's blinded by love. I like that. There you go. Uh, and so she goes to Bloomingdale's, you know, gets a bunch of clothes and whatnot, and then watches all these TVs also at Bloomingdale's. So when Alan gets home, he can't find her. The doorman tells her, you know, that she went to Bloomingdale. So he goes over there. I enjoy the line. You know, when he does find her, he's talking to the guys and, you know, he's like, uh, other guys, she can't speak English. I'm sorry. And then she just turns on. Hello, Alan. How was your day? <laughs> oh shit! So she can't speak English now. I did like the the uh, the the worker's response was, "Sir, I didn't go to college, but that does sound like English." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he kind of talks to her and he asks her her name and she gives Alan her name and it's like this dolphin speech kind of thing and it breaks all the TVs, kaha, because it's all high pitch and loud and whatnot. Um, but we find out that she learned English from TV, mm-hmm. from just watching TV, which oddly enough is actually how a lot of, of non-English speakers learn how to speak English. Yeah, I would think so. Probably pretty similar. Uh, what was that? The Explorers. The aliens and the Explorers, I think, watched, right. <laughs> watched TV, and that's how they <laughs> how they got it, too. Uh, they leave and start walking on the street, and she's just amazed by all these things. And we find out that she's only going to be around for six days. We don't really get any explanation, but it, when the moon is full, she has to go back into the water. 
Otherwise, she won't ever be able to go back. So, okay, okay. Setting up some stuff here. And then she sees a street sign, and she picks Madison as a name. And as, as John said, Madison before this wasn't really a name. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure there were some... Madison is also can also be a guy's name. Mm-hmm. And I, I swear there have been a, several Madisons men... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can. I mostly think of last names, obviously James Madison, and and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, it had it had to have been a first name somewhere. I don't think this was the first time. Um, yeah, but I, I definitely think it popularized Madison as, as specifically as a girl's name. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, so a couple stats on that that I saw on Wikipedia in 1990, it was the 216th most popular name in the U.S. for a female, mm. and then in 1995, the 29th. Most Ooh, popular name. Moving up. And then in the year 2000, the third <laughs> most popular name for females. So it really skyrocketed yeah. in time. Yeah. And actually, around 2000 is probably when our cousin had her first kid. That's probably right around, I think, when her kid was, uh, or had her kid Madison. So Yeah. I think, I think well, I can't remember. Sorry, Madison. Yeah. I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you're not listening. <laughs> we don't memorize this. your birthday. No. Oh, my bad. We're the worst uh, first cousins once removed ever. So. <laughs> That night, Madison goes to take a bath, and we see she grabs a whole thing of salt to make it salt water, and we actually see her transition into mermaid while she enjoys a soak. And that was a cool practical effect, I gotta say. Yeah, I agree. Um, you kind of get like this leg, and then it kind of turns to fish scales. Yeah, and what what they did is is it was um it was a fake thing over the top of her leg, and that they vacuum sealed. Oh, okay. So it, it looked smooth, and then they vacuum sealed it, and they it it's a suction to the scales that were on the 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 fake prosthetic that were on there. Nice. So it was nice. an actual practical effect, which I appreciate because at first I was like, man, that CG looked really good for 1984, <laughs> and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, it was a practical effect. Yeah, that makes sense. So Alan though is worried about her and wants to go in and talk to her or whatnot, and she's frantically trying to dry herself off, uh, so her. Finn will become uh, legs again. I never, you know what? I never heard that as a part of the mermaid lore. I think that I feel. That I feel like they, they just can, made this up for the movie. I think they did. Yeah. I just, it just felt, it just felt weird that she could kind of go back and forth, or else that See, would have been. A thing. And at first, I thought it was only. It had to be salt water because she put salt in the bath, and that made. Sense. I thought so too. <laughs> and then later, not. And my whole thought was, what were you going to do if it rained? Well, yeah, which we will get, which we'll kind of see. She has to hide from the rain at some point. But yeah, she didn't think about that because it doesn't rain underwater, John. She she wouldn't know. <laughs> Fair. Well, actually, she still swims at the top of the surface, yeah. so she would see fucking rain. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, blowing holes in this, Adam. Ah, damn it. So yeah, so she anyway, she does dry her legs off just in time before he gets in. Uh, meanwhile, Cornbluth, he's you know continuing his hunt. He's trying to find this mermaid. He's now obsessed with it. And he has these two morons who help him. Like, they're acting up the idiocy a little too much for me. Like, they're they're almost like that, you know, like the, where did he go, George, yeah. kind of guys. A little too much. But one of them is reading, like, a, a National Enquirer type of magazine. And Cornbluth uh, recognizes Madison in the picture as the mermaid he saw underwater. So, uh, Alan, I, I like this. More fish-out-of-water kind of jokes. Alan gets her a gift, and she thinks... The box itself is the gift. It's uh, it's actually a music box. And she mentions, oh, she never had music before. You know, they go out and listen to music and they see a statue of a mermaid and talk about mermaids and all this kind of stuff. 
at work, Freddy calls out Alan for being in love and a funny little racquetball scene uh, that they have together as they're talking while Freddy is smoking and has a cooler of beer <laughs> in there playing racquetball. Um, and then, Which would ruin the racquetball game, having the cooler. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I loved playing racquetball when I was in college. I really do. I really do miss playing racquetball. I, I did a, um, you know, like a intramural. My intramural was racquetball for, for at UGA as mm-hmm. well. And they had good courts there. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Racquetball was a fantastic sport. Um, it's not easy to find racquetball courts around you anymore. Right. Um, but it was, yeah, I very much enjoyed it too. You know, it's also, it's good for, it's just some short bursts of stuff. Of, you know, I don't have to, I know I don't have to run that far. I just have to get there quick. Right. Um, and so for even for bigger guys, it's, not that bad of a of a sport no, to do, especially if you're good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can, if you can, like you know, hit a dead ball where like, you just hit it right where it's just in that corner mm-hmm. where there's no way where it's going to bounce twice fast. Yeah, it's just perfect. Did you did you ever play um, uh, cutthroat with three people? Three people. I th- I'm pretty sure I have. Yeah, <sighs> that was yeah, that was yeah. fun and dangerous at the same time because you had to get you were getting in people's way. Yeah, yeah I mean it was exactly. Uh, that makes it pre- even another one extra body in there makes it real tough yeah. because you have to go from like, say it was me, you, and then someone else, and then me, you, and then someone else have to hit it. Yeah, it's really, you have to dance around people like crazy. So, uh, but yes, of course, at the end of this little scene here, Freddie hits himself in the head with a racquetball. I, I laughed. Yeah, it was funny. It was funny. More, again, more slapstick humor than I kind of remembered. Uh, Corn Bluth. He gets made fun of by other scientists about seeing a mermaid and and whatnot, which ultimately just motivates him more to want to prove it out. And so he decides, you know, he's going to go get her wet uh, to prove, you know, she has um, scales and she's a mermaid. Which, how does he know? That's my exact (laughs) question. I was like, how does he know that she can't just change it at will? Right. As opposed to when she gets wet. Like, I, I, yeah, he, he, he jumped to a conclusion, which happened to be correct, but that doesn't, didn't make sense. Yeah. So. All right, uh, Madison uh, apparently bought the mermaid fountain <laughs> and brought it to the fountain or brought it to the apartment, you know, for uh, for Alan because you know what, John, she loves him, yeah, and she tells him, and he actually says it back. Oh man, progress. Yeah, who cares that about that girlfriend that you've lived with for months and whatnot, and and you know, well, uh, if he couldn't say it, he probably didn't really love her to begin with. No, very true. But you find a hot blonde. All you need is like two days, John, and you're going to fall in love. <laughs> so Cornbluth uh, has a bucket of water and he tracks down Madison. Well, he thought it was Madison. He chucked the bucket on her and it's uh, some other woman completely. He thought it was her because she was wearing a blue dress and had blonde hair. Mm-hmm. How did he see her in this blue dress that she only wore really for us, you know, in like the Bloomingdale's shot and other stuff? Um, I don't know. It, it again didn't make sense. But it's fine. Wait, Whatever. It's comedy. Okay. He gets beaten what, up pretty bad what, for it. What didn't you? What didn't you understand? He thought he saw. Right. Well, we see Tom Hanks and Madison walk by his car, and she's oh, in the okay. blue so dress. Okay. So he actually sees them. But it, yes. okay, okay. And okay, then, sorry. but when he goes to up. follow them, they get farther and farther away, and he ends up with a different with blue a different dress, blonde hair because they somehow okay. move out of the shot. That's 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 what happened. Yeah. Okay. 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 So yes, and the 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 husband there uh, beats the shit out of him because he threw. Water. The lady though is screaming frantically. It's just water, lady. I know, but I mean, like, first of all, it's probably cold. Secondly, how did he drive those buckets down there without the water splashing everywhere? But then, like, I mean, what? How do you react to someone who just throws buckets of water on you and then starts taking pictures? 
Yeah. I mean, well, if it was my wife, she would start throwing fists, like as opposed yeah, to but there's a, just screaming. A, a there, lot of helpless. time, there's going to be a moment of shock where you're like, "What the fuck do I do with this information yes. that I'm getting right now?" I, I'll allow that the shock, but she was just like, "Ah, ah!" Well, it's, like, it's the '80s. <laughs> it's the '80s. Uh, but yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, I get, I get the guy's mentality of beating the fuck out of him. Like, that's what I would do. Like, what the fuck did you just do? Yeah. Anyway, all right, at dinner, Alan tries to find ways to keep her there, um, you know, because he wants her to stay. Uh, they get lobster, and this is definitely a scene I remembered. Um, once I saw the lobster coming, I was like, oh, yeah, she's going to tear into that shit. <laughs> and that's what she does. She just goes in and eats it, like, you know, shell and all. So for we, as a, my wife yeah. and I had a conversation about this because uh, we're looking at this and we're watching her do this. And I'm like, okay, that's definitely like a candied lobster shell or something like that. There's no way she could bite into that. That's that's all. Uh-huh. Lobster shells are are really hard. But then when I looked at, I was like, I wonder if it says anything about like how they did it. But then when I looked it up, it said the only thing it said about that scene was that because Daryl Hannah was vegetarian, they substituted the meat inside the lobster for like mashed potatoes. Oh, okay. to make it look it, but then they didn't explain. It didn't say anything about the fact that she tears into the actual shell, and uh-huh. that to me it has to be like a like a candy shell because they'll use sugar a lot for for fake things, yeah, like that. There's no way that she actually bit into an actual lobster shell. Probably, probably not. They or they cut around it or something. I don't know yeah. how they did it or had it kind of pre. Somebody get me Ron Howard on the phone. <laughs> yeah, we got to figure this out. That's the important thing. It's kind of disgusting everyone in the restaurant. And, you know, I like Alan's little response. Uh, she's really hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so they go ice skating um, and talk more about, you know, trying to keep her to stay. Um, and, you know, Alan has brought up marriage mm-hmm. is a way to keep you here. Uh, and she's just not ready. And so this makes Alan upset, which ends up frightens her off she runs away and he can't find her there's a whole montage of him looking for her um the rain is pouring down and we see at one point because we know water i guess can get her wet she's hiding under a bridge so she's not going to get wet Mm -hmm. uh from the rain but i'm curious what is the amount of water what if she if she steps in a puddle would that do it or does somebody what is the water to like draw draw, mermaid ratio i don't know yeah yeah it's hard to say all right so um yeah, in the morning, she's about to head back into the water, but then a cut, and instead she goes to see Alan, and she says yes. She has decided she is going to choose him over the mermaid life. Uh, at least that's what we know. He doesn't know that she's a mermaid yet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, As they go to the apartment complex, Cornbluth is there, and he's gonna. they're going up the elevator, and he's going to splash her with water. Nope, it's that same couple <laughs> uh, that he splashed before on the elevator. Apparently, they live in the same building. Uh, and so, ha ha ha. So he's gonna. I get- did. I did like that they brought the same uh, same couple back. I agree. And he gets his ass thrown down the stairs. That's kind of funny. Uh, we find out Alan has some big dinner with the president being there. I thought it was kind of strange this upcoming scene because they have a president and they kind of they're establishing that this is America, and then the president is just he's not trying to be Reagan or anything like that. Right. He's just a totally different guy. I wish they would have written out it being the president, but I get what they were trying to do because they're trying to set up the whole secret service. There had to be some kind of way to cause, you know, security being there. But 
it just felt weird when it's like the president and this is like this totally random dude where everything else felt like it was supposed to be set, you know, in the quote unquote, the time of the day of like time of then. But that's just that's not that big of a deal. So Cornbluth has this whole rig where he's trying to spray Madison, but the Secret Service pick up on him. They see him think he's trying to, you know, assassinate the president or something. So they grab him, pull him outside. At the same time, Madison wants to tell Alan her secret. So they step outside. Cornbluth sees them and he is able to spray her with his hose. And it's all super dramatic. (laughs) He sprays her down and she turns into a mermaid in front of everyone. And Alan is just in shock. Uh, of course, he doesn't even know what to say. She is taken away by Secret Service. And, you know, uh, he gets taken away by Secret Service as well. Um, in a lab, uh, he's being tested for being a mermaid, standing there <laughs> naked in a lab, you know, in a tank. And then they end up putting Madison in there with him. And, of course, he's still very freaked out at this moment. Yeah. And so because at this, but at this point, he'd been in there for like six hours. They could tell he can't. He's not an actual mermaid. So they drop him off at home. Uh, news people start swarming him, and then in comes Freddy to the rescue, takes him back to work. Everyone is uh, quiet, and just because the news had spread at this point that, that Alan was with a mermaid. I love Freddy's line. What are you looking at? You never saw a guy who slept with a fish before? Get back to work! What's the matter? Never seen anyone who slept with a fish before? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. But... Ultimately, Freddy is a good older brother because he reminds Alan how happy he was. He had never seen him so happy than when he was with Madison. Again, only one week, but okay. (laughs) At the lab, Madison is looking terrible and pale. And, you know, we also find out they're probably going to dissect her and shit like this. And so Cornbluth is now realizing this was probably not the best thing. He's he's feeling bad for her. Alan confronts Cornbluth at the dentist. (laughs) <laughs> of all places and eventually after some silliness uh, agrees to help bring him in to take her to to go sneak her out um so they do freddie joins as well and they all get in pretending that they're these swedish swedish scientists or whatnot um and allison tells madison basically that he loves her and that they you know so they they get her out of there freddie is left in the tank just as kind of like a fuck you mm-hmm. it's kind of funny yeah it's funny Yep. And then the military head out to search for Madison, uh, who is like all dried out by now. So they have a whole chase scene. Uh, I like Cornbluth, who's, you know, now trying to help. He gets out of the car, tries to slow them down, which they just drive past right. him. It doesn't, you know, nothing slows him down. So uh, Alan and Madison get to the water. Um, she mentions that, oh, there is a chance that you can join me out here in the water. I'm guessing he can become a mermaid, too. And but it's a one time thing. And it's it's. It, it has to happen. It'll hey, it'll be like that forever. And until the sequel. Until the sequel, which, which they <laughs> negate that completely. Yep. But he's not sure. So she just jumps in. He's not ready for that. So she jumps into the water. But then Alan does decide, fuck it. I'm going to go with her. He jumps in to go with her as well. Remember, he can't swim, um, even though we see him swimming. Right. Um, <laughs> 100%. We see him doing like, you know, like free stroke. Right. But because he can't swim, he ends up falling down into the water. Madison goes grabs him, kisses him back awake, even though he was unconscious uh, under the water, whatever. And they have to cheesily fight divers. I did not like that. It just, (laughs) just cheesy. So fucking cheesy. And then they've made their escape and a song plays called Love Came For Me by Rita Coolidge. One fine day Love came for me 
love was rare as love can be. As they swim away together in the water, in the water to be together forever. Credits start to roll, and we see that they are heading towards this mermaid city, which wasn't very hidden. I don't know how people had not seen it because it's very well lit. Right. <laughs> but anyway, I guess he's going to become a mermaid, and that is the end of our film. John, I'd love for you to start things off. Did, did uh, you mentioned you had brought up this movie to your wife? Did she watch it with you? Yes, we watched it together. Uh, she loved this movie beforehand, like she was quoting it throughout the movie so she was very very familiar with it um I, like i said before i had probably not seen it in 20 maybe even as you said 30 years uh, that might have been the last time i'd actually seen the movie for me it was okay not really having a big tie to it as a kid hindered it for me at this point um i i kind of knew ahead of time i'm like this is not really going to be a movie i'm into and truth be told mm-hmm. it wasn't um, it wasn't, I mean, it was not, you know, a horrible romantic comedy. It just, it didn't really do anything for me. It didn't keep my attention as, as well as I had hoped it would. Um, there was one aspect that was very small, but I, I found it a kind of an interesting thing. At the beginning of the movie, Alan seems to be the responsible one with the, uh, with the company and Freddie is mm-hmm. like the you know the free spirit who writes to Penthouse magazine and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. As the movie progresses, their roles tend to switch. Where yeah. uh, Alan, like when he comes into work, he's like, "I'm gonna go take a nap in the office," and Freddie <laughs> is like on the phone with like these these companies and whoever, and actually is trying to take a serious role in the company. So it's, it was kind of interesting, like how the two roles switched that way. It was a very small thing. But I mm-hmm. did notice it, and so I appreciate I appreciated that it was it was kind of like a growth a little bit on Freddie's part. He didn't stay creepy loser throughout. Yeah. <laughs> so true. But yeah, those are my thoughts on the on the film. Very similar to you. It has been a long time since I had seen the movie. Uh, my wife was with me when she watched this film, um, but she had no nostalgic tie, uh, and she is not much of a movie. She hated it. I'll, <laughs> I'll throw it out there. She hated it <laughs> and i remember she even said she was like who is that actress i said oh it's daryl hannah and she said oh she's not even cute and i'm like she's not even attractive i was like one i was like honey i don't agree with you there <laughs> she's a beautiful woman <laughs> but either way my wife this is this is just not her type of film uh and she did not care for it i myself am with you it was okay mm-hmm. i didn't have this a lot of this massive nostalgic tie it was there are bits of it that are in there i completely forgot the amount of cheese and the silliness that was in the movie. And ultimately I really liked that. Those, those humor moments, some of the lines, the racquetball scene, Mm -hmm. the John Candy stuff, all that. I actually ended up liking the most. My least favorite stuff was probably the whole mermaid aspect. And the science part of my brain was just like, I'm not making these connections. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I'm having trouble with this, but you know, even like some of the, the, this other silly humor, like I do remember when she said her name, it would broke all the TVs. Like those moments I like, you know, some of the fish out of water joke stuff I like. Um, but overall, it just felt that it was a mediocre romantic comedy and not like this top tier one for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, sorry, Miranda. We hope you didn't. We didn't just <laughs> squish your dreams there. But overall, 
you know, it, I can see how it was great for people back in the day, but now I think there's just there's there's better stuff out yeah. there. All right, now we're going to talk the very obscure cartoon called The Oblongs. Uh, it ran from 2001 to 2002, one season, 13 episodes. So it originally aired on the WB uh, for only the first eight episodes before they basically said, eh, we're not showing this anymore. <laughs> and the last five episodes were unaired. Um, eventually, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim did air those last five episodes uh, in 2002. Um, so it eventually got its showing. Uh, the show was created by Jace Richdale and Angus Oblong. Uh, Jace Richdale worked on things like The Simpsons, Dexter, Man in the High Castle, tons of stuff. Mm. Uh, great kind of writer and producer. Angus Oblong had kind of written these characters, uh, introduced them in a picture book called Creepy Susie and 13 Other Tragic Tales for Troubled Children. Uh, so that's how Angus kind of uh, started off these characters. Hmm. So uh, the cast of the show, Bob Oblong, is played by Will Ferrell. Uh, this is right in the middle of he was still in on SNL. Mm-hmm. Anchorman, I mean, huge comedy guy yeah. here. Uh, Pickles Oblong is played by Jean Smart. Uh, she was in the Watchmen series recently. She was also does a voice on Big Mouth. Um, she did a voice on Kim Possible. Uh, she's been in 24, tons of stuff. Uh, Milo Oblong was voiced by uh, Pamela Adlin. So Milo is the, the youngest boy child, mm-hmm. but voiced by female Pamela Adlin. I remember her probably best from the show Louie. Okay. Uh, but she also does voices in Big Mouth and Human Resources, voices on Bob's Burgers. She was on Californication, um, a show that I never saw, uh, but I heard it was mm-hmm. good. Biff and Chip are played by the Sklar Brothers. We actually talked about them not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, oh, BattleBots. Yes, BattleBots. That's right. Uh, BattleBots. And, uh, you know, great comedians. Um, and you always typically see them together. Yeah doing stuff. Beth Oblong is voiced by Jeannie Elias. Uh, she's done a bunch of video games from Mass Effect, Dragon Age, Final Fantasy, Age of Empires 3. Mm. Um, also did voices in Jackie Chan Adventures. She was Pugsley in the 90s cartoon of the Addams Family. Okay. She was Princess Toadstool in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show cartoon. Oh, wow. Uh, so quite a bit yeah. of stuff that uh, she's been doing. So, um, And then other voices, other greats who had lent their uh, voice to the show in one form or another, Billy West, Maurice LaMarche, Jim Cummings, Mark Hamill, Charlie Adler, and Phil Lamar. Uh, so pretty solid cast uh, of people who are, you know, see, um, voicing this Deborah show. I see Wilson on this list, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Deborah Wilson. Um, what has Deborah Wilson done? Why can't I remember? A lot of little stuff. Um, I'm pretty... But it was just... Things. Yeah. I just... I recognize okay. her from... All the voice stuff she's that she's done. Okay, very cool. I know there's. A, I'm pretty sure uh, there's a live action show. I also remember her from, but I can't remember. Uh, oh, she did uh, over that. She was on Over the Hedge. I'm seeing that was a. Oh, I. You know what? I do remember her. She was Oprah in Scary Movie Four. Weird that I remember that part, <laughs> but I, I've, I've definitely, I've definitely. She has 249 credits for yeah, her. Holy shit! So she's been done tons of stuff. Very cool. All right. Anyway, uh, so this is an adult animated sitcom focusing you know on the family who live in a place called the valley uh, which is an area filled with pollution and radiation kind of that has been sent down from the hills and it's caused them all to become deformed and or disabled or stuff like that uh and you know the rich community 
um, you know, has kind of dumped it on them and they all kind of look down upon them and they exploit them and all that kind of stuff, which is obviously, I think, you know, it's a, it's a social commentary, a play on the hills and, and the valley in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, cause people in the hills are the rich people and they look down on the valley as if they're scum, gross people. I lived in the valleys. So <laughs> I'm a scummy, gross guy. Um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, so yeah, John, you'd mentioned you had watched this show, um, and I knew it. I feel like it did some reruns. Maybe it was just because it was on Adult Swim or something every now and then. Um, but you know, what had? Do you have any friends who knew the show, or like, what kind of what else did you know about? I it? don't really know much of anything. I just remember probably seeing ads for it, or honestly, mm-hmm. I probably will remember seeing ads for it on Adult Swim. Yeah, on there. I don't. I don't remember having ever watched an episode before yeah. now so yeah and I, I feel like i had probably watched an episode maybe two like i mentioned but but yeah uh let's say i do want to mention the theme song uh for the series was composed and uh, apparently performed by they might be giants <laughs> Oh, nice. That kind of makes yeah. sense, actually. Yeah. Now, I, I listened to the, when I was listening to it, it's more like female voices. I don't remember They Might Be Giants having female voices in their band, no. but whatever. That's what Wikipedia told me, so that's what I'm going with. <laughs> so They might have used other singers. They just might have wrote it. Yeah. Um. And so pretty much every episode is just different. You know, you're focusing on on the different hijinks that happens to the family, the Oblong family and, you know, typical kind of family sitcom stuff. Um, but it's wacky pollution, uh, <laughs> you know, deformity riddled humor there. And that's unfortunately, well, I said I watched I watched a two, maybe did I watch three. I think three episodes, actually. OK, I this. only watched one. OK, I'll get started on my sure. thoughts first, unless you had anything else you wanted nope. to add. There's just there's not many episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't make like a huge cultural impact other than I would say I think a lot of people remember that Will Ferrell was on it. Mm-hmm. But I would say this show is not bad. It's also not amazing. Mm-hmm. I can kind of see why it didn't last, but I think that's because it came too early. Um, sorry, that sounded weird. <laughs> it, it, the show. I don't know what that's like. Mm. <laughs> I know what that's like. Uh, no, it. Uh, I think it was just. It, it was ahead of its time. It's not meant for broadcast. This show should have not been on the WB. Mm-hmm. This is a comedy central adult swim, that type mm-hmm. of humor or streaming. Yeah. I would say in today's era where adult cartoons are a norm, you know, in 2001, sure, you had King of the Hill, South Park, Family Guy, Family Guy. And Simpsons, you know, to an extent, but still Simpsons at that time was still probably thought of as fairly kiddish. Right. Nowadays, with Rick and Morty, Big Mouth, like Bob's Burgers, even like tons of stuff, like what those shows have helped pave the way for is adult cartoon comedy is a legit yeah. thing. It's a legit series, it's a style. And I think this was just too early, mm-hmm. or like Futurama. Futurama, I guess, had been out before this, but like. It took years for Futurama to really find its stride. Right. And I and you get a lot of the weird stuff in Futurama that I see also in this show. Yep. 
Future also also had the benefit of having the backing of the uh, Simpsons crew. Yeah. So, and this did not. I honestly, I think this show was pretty solid. I, I mean, it wasn't like I said, not amazing, not bad. I enjoyed enough of what I watched. Like I said, I had three episodes on, uh, and I like adult humor. I like adult cartoons. Mm-hmm. I just think this is a show that probably could either it could be rebrought and put on a Hulu or a Netflix or something like that. Also make it a little edgier, yeah. make it a little bit more adult. And this show could really be something solid. Now. I think it was just ended up being a little too early and probably had to be a little too tame because it was on the WB. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I only watched one episode. I got through it and I was like, eh, I think I've seen everything I need to see. It was fine. It was fine. It did not yeah. grip me. You know, the weirdness was kind of interesting, but, there wasn't it wasn't that sort of it thing that some you know cartoons can just kind of grab you. Um, mm-hmm. So like I don't I don't see myself going back to watch the the rest of the episodes, uh, which I believe are currently on Tubi. Yes, yeah, they're all on Tubi. So anybody out there who doesn't uh, you know who's been looking for the show, you can knock out all thirteen on Tubi right mm-hmm. now. So uh, it, it got a meh for me. Okay, all right. Well, Miranda, we appreciate <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> Maybe not, uh, you know, what you were looking for, but I hope you had a good time. And I hope you go back and rewatch these and you enjoy the nostalgic love uh, that these properties gave you. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... It makes a big splash! A real big splash! That's why they call it new Slip and Slide Big Splash! You can get sprayed, drenched, slide to the dump zone under a giant bucket of water, hit the button and soak yourself, then splash down in the splash zone! New Slip and Slide Big Splash! There's water everywhere! So you better prepare... All right, and now it's time for the casting portion of the show. As mentioned at the top, we are going to recast Splash using actors of today. Um, Didn't choose a lot of characters for this casting. There was really only the main four actors who really warranted being recasted. Absolutely. Like, there was no reason to add a president. There was no reason to add even, like, the lab guy um that started doing like wanted to do the experiments mm-hmm. they he was on screen for a minute two minutes the total. only other person that might have been worth recasting was the secretary the secretary yeah like the secretary or they had that one worker that they went to his wedding but again none of them really made an right. impact like they didn't do much of anything so i like they could be anybody i agree this is the four that matter yeah. uh so we'll do alan madison uh walter and freddie and let's go in that reverse order. I will start for my Freddy. First of all, John Candy, one of a kind, mm-hmm. impossible to. He's John Candy, one of those guys that can easily seamlessly move between silly comedy and serious drama if needed. He didn't do a lot of drama, but he could be serious in those moments. And he, he had moments of pure heart that yes. came out of nowhere. And they, it, you're right. It was perfect. I love that description. And it was seamless. It was just, it, he, he always felt like himself, no matter what it was. 
And so replacing him, an exact copy of him, is just not possible. But I decided to, with where I kind of decided to go with my casting, I picked someone who I think um, can at least kind of embody the spirit of a John Candy. And I went with Kenan Thompson. Oh, okay. Absolutely, Kenan Thompson can embody the spirit. I, You know, you don't see him in enough films or whatnot right. now because he's i mean he's been on snl for so long he's kind of like he's like the tim meadows tim meadows was on yeah. forever before i think forever. he finally retired from it yeah well i mean yeah keenan is now the longest tenured snl person of mm-hmm. all time i mean why why he's mess got, with a good job yeah. hell yeah hell yeah he's uh i mean shit yeah i mean for our generation man i mean for a lot of people who like grew up on all that they'd see him there and then they saw him do the inspiration for all mm-hmm. that with SNL. I mean, the guys, the guys, awesome. I like that. I like that call a lot. He's uh, he can do. I think he can do a lot of stuff. I'd like to see him in more movies. I absolutely mm-hmm. would like to see him become a bigger star. Cool. All right. So, what did you pick? Or who did you pick? My Freddie Bauer. I kind of leaned. I mean, obviously the comic element. I went into the kind of like the creep element. This guy. I don't know. He's done all this kind of stuff. I, I would hide away from all of his weed stuff because I just don't think that's needed in this film. But I think he gives off some of the funny, like, you know, loser big brother vibes that uh, Freddie gave off. I went with Seth Rogen. I can see that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see him as a, as a kind of creepy older brother. Yeah. That type of thing. So I'm, I'm, yep. I'm cool with that. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. Uh, Walter Cornbluth, our uh, creepy scientist. <laughs> Yeah, who's only out to splash Madison? Oh, uh, <laughs> lame. Who did you go with? All right, I went with the. Uh, you have to have someone who eccentric, who who brings like that eccentric quality. Um, if you're kind of keeping to the similar vibe that Eugene Levy did, and I think this guy he's done comedy stuff. He kind of can have that eccentric look. Maybe it's kind of like the wild hair that led me to this guy. From his acting in uh, the It crowd, the IT crowd, I went with Richard Ayoda, Ayoade, Ayoade. Oh, how do you how do you pronounce it? Ayoade, Ayoade. Um, I know exactly who you're talking about. Ayo Ayoade, Ayoade, Ayoade. Yeah, maybe him. He him. He's got a unique look. He's done comedy. I think he would fit. Okay, I could see that. That yeah. kind of crazy. He has the kind of crazy scientist look. Yeah, I'm fine with that. All right. Uh, I went with an actor who is probably looks a little bit older. Well, not, he definitely looks a little bit older than, than what, um, Eugene Levy did at that time. But to me, the age of the scientist really isn't that important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went with, a, an actor who's playing a character who has kind of crazy moments right now. And I, I've loved him in this show. I went with Brendan Hunt who plays Coach Beard on Ted Lasso. Oh, Coach Beard. Okay. Uh, yeah, he has some eccentric qualities in Ted Lasso. Have you uh, Have you finally watched season two yet? <laughs> no. All right, so my app, my Apple ID, I don't even know the fucking password, uh. and so I got to figure that out before <laughs> I can, like, just sign up. And I hate... I never remember my Apple password, <laughs> whatever it is, and so I can't just sign up for Apple Plus, but uh, I want to make it happen... But Keisha and I were going through Better Call Saul right now. Mm-hmm. So when I finish that one, uh, then we talked about, well, should we want to go through Narcos. But if I can squeeze in Better uh, Ted Lasso real quick, because it's short. It's, it's so fast. Yeah, the 30-minute episodes. And they're they're easy and fun to watch. So it's a you can go yeah. through it really fast. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I need to. I need to. I just gotta figure out my. I gotta remember my damn password. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. I like that. All call. right. Uh, do you want to end with Madison or do we want to end with Alan? Eh, either or. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and go to Madison. I looked around for a blonde. I'll be honest. That was my my big criteria. <laughs> yeah. Cute blonde is kind of what I looked for. Um, I did decide to go kind of young. Actually, she's not that young now. No, she's 30 now, but she looks young enough. Um, and she's so young that she played a teenager in a movie not that long ago, even though she's 30. <laughs> and, f- I mean, fairly believable as a as a teenager, actually. An older teenager. Um, I went with Samara Weaving. Okay. Yeah, she was in uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. I can't remember if she is Hugo Weaving's niece or daughter. Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. They're related somehow, okay. and I cannot remember exactly. I'm sure I could look it up. She's she's from Australia, isn't he British? No. Uh, oh, he's I Australian. Think he's Australian. Oh, that's cool. Let me check. All right. <laughs> Aunt or uncle? Okay. Uh, no, no. Or he's uncle. Uncle. He's okay. Uncle. No, he's he's born to English parents. So. Oh, he was born in Nigeria. Yeah. That's cool. Ah, uh, uh, Hugo has an older brother and a younger sister who also live and work in Australia. That's okay. there. There's that cool. connection. So she's Australian by birth, but English by by heritage, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I also started thinking about a blonde, um, and so I thought maybe was it Anya Taylor mm-hmm. Joy? She was in that uh, the chess movie or the Anna Sophia Robb or maybe even Catherine Catherine Winnick. Um, she's a little older. But damn it, John, you stole my pick. I also picked <laughs> Samara Weaving. <laughs> awesome. Man, yeah, I hadn't had a same casting in a hot yeah. while, but I don't know. She's got she's got like a mermaidy vibe. Yeah, to she's her. got I, to me. She has the exact right look. Mm-hmm. Grow out her hair, or probably give her a wig or extensions or something like that. That's fine. Or just just CGI the hair, John. And we know oh, it's fine. It works God. just fine. Don't don't do this. To me. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Practical people. Practical. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful young lady. Well, she's thirty. Yeah, beautiful woman, and she, I just she's got a. Whatever it is, I see Mermaid when yeah. I see her. Uh, good pick, Adam. I like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Very good pick. Uh, all right. Alan, our main character. Let's see who you went with. Probably not uh, the same as Probably you. Probably not. Mm, yours brother was Keenan right. Thompson and mine was Seth Rogen. Unlikely, uh, but it's possible. Hey, you know, family is family. Ohana means family. Um, all right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I've I've used this guy I think pretty recently, but I just don't care. I get like Tom Hanksy kind of vibe from the dude, maybe because his father was kind of a romantic comedy dude back in the eighties, similar enough time, and he's just got a nice Gentile look to him. I went with Jack Quaid as my Alan Bauer. That's a that's a solid solid pick. And at first, when you started, as soon as you started talking, I was like, oh, I wonder if he went with uh, with uh, Colin Hanks. Uh, and uh-huh. then you said his father, and I'm like, father, who do I know? And I just started watching season three of The Boys. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yes, uh, that, you know what? Jack Quaid in The Boys does remind me exactly of a very young, you know, the young Tom Hanks from the 80s yeah. and stuff like that. So that's a solid, solid pick. And I think he's made enough waves um, on the boys to to warrant leading a film like this. Yes, I agree. So, good pick. Thank you, sir. 
so for my Alan, um, I danced around a bit with a bunch of different actors before I settled on on this one. And I will be honest, it was very influenced by the fact that I kept going back to Keenan Thompson as being Freddy. And I initially I didn't have that pick, and I was I was looking at other things. I think I had another actor picked out. And I was like, no, I, I don't know this. And then when I came across this one, I said, yes, this will work. I can have Keenan as my Freddy, and I get this guy. And I think I think he's gotten a, a lot of unnecessary crap. But I've also I think he's also gotten a lot of uh, praise for some of his other uh, acting stuff. I went with John Boyega. Okay, yeah, he got he got unnecessary crap for. Star Wars, but it wasn't his fault. I don't feel no. he was ever at fault for the issues. It was a lot of the writers yeah. and so some of the other acting around him, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but mostly the writing was just kind of rough. Yeah. Um, but as a lead, I like John Boyega. <laughs> I, I could, I know I'd like to see him try some. I never saw, what was it, oh, Pacific Rim Uprising. Yeah, I didn't see that. So I really only know him from his Star Wars stuff, but I like him enough from that as, yeah. a, as an actor. I agree. So I'm cool. I am cool with that. Cool. Well, I think. I could, yeah, to- totally see him in like. Um, yeah, romantic comedy kind of stuff, yeah. honestly. All right. Well, that was our recasting of Splash. And just one quick, again, another thank you and shout out to Miranda Watson for being a patron and picking this episode. Uh, I I think, honestly, we've got a good, we got two good castings mm-hmm. and Splash might be something that could probably use an update. I'll be honest. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I'm sure it's been talked about. Yeah. So. Thank you, Miranda, for coming on and being a patron. If you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com backslash blastpasscast. Please join us next time for another album review. This time, John and I are joined by our stepbrother, Liam Connolly, who will be talking about one of his favorite albums of all time, Pearl Jam's Versus. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.